Hi, good evening. Keisha here. I am your host of Milk to Meat, episode one. Um, in this episode, I'm going to break down the Great Commission, and so I want to start with a little intro about me, and then get started in the breakdown of this scripture. So, my purpose of this broadcast is to uh, dig deeper into the Word and help you transition from milk to meat. So, that reference is talking about a baby Christian um, with the reference of milk. uh, Because typically, babies, they survive and their only nutrition is milk until a certain age when they transition to solid food or as we would say meat so the same way with the word of god and the word of god is our our nutrition for our our spirit so when we're baby christians we have an understanding um like milk we are it's a basic understanding it's um it's basically, you know, the things that you would learn in nursery school or or, or the uh, youth age uh, Bible classes. And so, the problem though is a lot of Christians never transition from that. They spend their entire uh, career of a, in their entire lifespan as a Christian sucking on milk. They never actually transition to the, the meat. And that is where we find a lot of issues in our modern day churches and with the teachings of the churches and specifically why American modern churches have so many Christians that are sick they have so many Christians with mental disorders they have so many Christians that struggle with basic life things and struggle with basic things like anxiety and fear and they struggle with all these things that God has not told them to you know has has told them not to do and when you take a look at our modern day churches everyone that you speak to or everyone that I've spoken to they verify and and they validate the fact that they they struggle that their Christian walk is a struggle and that is not what God had planned for us. That's not his will for us as a Christian. It's not for us to struggle. So my goal is to break down these scriptures and help you transition from milk to meat. And I want to start with the Great Commission. Because if you're listening, then you believe. And you are probably a professing Christian. And you are curious as to what I mean about taking an adventure through the scriptures and finding these 
amazing stories about our creation and about the place that we live and about our creator and there we will get to that eventually but i want to start with the great commission because you professing christian should already know the basics of how you become a christian and now I I want to start with your instruction now that you are a Christian. So we're going to start with the Great Commission and what Christ instructed us to do as believers. And it didn't, a lot of people want to argue that the Great Commission was only for the apostles and only for the, the great men of Acts. No, no, no. It is not for the great men of Acts. It did not, it was not meant to stop there. It was not meant to die with our brother Paul and Peter and the other 10, 11 apostles and disciples that Jesus chose. It did not, it was not intended to stop there. They did not spend their life work holding on to what Christ told them. They taught what Christ taught them, and it was to be passed on through the generations. And like many things that gets passed on, um, with the example of Whisper Down the Line, that old thing in, in elementary that we used to do, where uh, one person would tell one, you know, the person next to them a, a scenario. They would whisper to them a scenario, and then they would turn and whisper to the person next to them, and then the person next to them would turn and whisper to them. And as they as it went down the line, the story kind of grew or it, it changed. It's, uh, that's what we've had happen to the gospel and what we've had happen to our instruction of the Great Commission specifically. The the gospel and the word of God was it was written down so a lot of it is um it is still the same and but it's it got mistranslated a little bit. There's there's a little confusion with the English translation the English comprehension of some of the text compared to what it was initially meant to read so we're going to break these scriptures down and find what it was initially meant to read and go from there so if you are all ready let's dive in we're going to start in Matthew chapter 8 I mean chapter 28 excuse me Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. So we're going to start there. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me and read along. Because that's that was our is another is one of our commandments is for us to study and show ourselves approved. So I urge you to open your Bibles and study for yourself. Um, but let's let's start with Matthew 28. It reads. I'm reading an NIV version, so it may not read exactly the way yours, your version reads, but I'm going to read the NIV version for, <clears throat> to begin with. 
And it says, all authority, this is Red Letter Texas, Jesus speaking, says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This declaration of his authority is, is followed by a conjunction. So it's going to, his statement there is followed by a conjunction that will tie, tie us, the believers, in, into his, his original, his, his first statement there. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go... And the subject he's referring to there is implied to us, the believers. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So this is only half of the Great Commission. The other half of the Great Commission we find in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. I'm going to read them real quick, and then we'll start breaking this down and return back to Matthew to break it down. But Mark, you want to turn with me, Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. It reads, Jesus again speaking, it's red letter text, says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So, now that we've read both scriptures and we have the full Great Commission, the, the Matthew account and the Mark account, describing all of Christ's instructions of what we as believers are to be doing, let's go back and break each verse down, beginning in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16. So, the all authority in heaven and on earth and on earth has been given to me. That's that is pretty understandable. That's that's common knowledge. There's common sense. There's really no no deeper meaning in that. That's just blunt and to the point. Christ has all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, that conjunction that ties us because he's giving believers, those of us who believe in him, he's giving us a command here. He's telling us what we are to be doing. So that therefore ties us back to his authority. We are, we are linked with him and his authority. So in retrospect, because of our belief in him, we too have the authority in heaven and on earth to make disciples. So we are to walk in this authority. We are to walk in the authority and the knowledge of who we are and to whom we belong. Make it disciples of all nations and baptizing 
this word baptizing, there's actually seven different types of baptizing. I'm not going to go into um, each of the seven different type of baptizing, but when you look at the Greek text of this one, it is actually it is actually referring to water baptism. But we have that authority because of our common knowledge of when we accept Christ as our Savior, we die with Him. So He is with us. He is in us. So therefore, we have the same authority. Now, that does not make us God. Don't get me wrong there. Don't, don't mis, misinterpret what I'm trying to say. It's not that we become God. We do not become Christ. We do not become God. We simply have the authority to act in order to make disciples, in order to teach on behalf of God. We, we have the authority to cast out demons. We have the authority... And to preach and teach. It's not that we become Christ. In the sense that we become God. So, don't don't mis, un, misinterpret me there. But, okay, let's move on. Um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This part of the Great Commission is very heavy as a lot of um, the the church, modern day American church gets kind of mixed up with this. A lot of um, a lot of leaders in the church don't go through their full training before they become leaders. And, uh, you know, there's cases in churches where. People get placed in a position of authority and um, they've not actually went through their their renewal of their mind. They haven't they haven't went through the change of becoming like becoming what Christ told us to do. They haven't done the things that they were commanded. And the, we get caught up in the fact that a person just says that they believe. And then we immediately want to place them into a leadership role to teach and preach the word that they have not had any experience doing. We wouldn't do that in any other profession or any other position um, say like you're not going to put a student in the place of a, in the place of a teacher's position to teach a class <clears throat> that he has no experience or knowledge on, and a new believer does not have that experience and does not have that knowledge to take take up that leadership role, and it makes doing so makes them very easy targets to fall into temptation and to backslide and possibly even um, become apostate because they become so hardened and offended by 
you know, the mistreatment and, and things that go along with the ridicule and humiliation and different things that happen uh, within the church when these new converts get placed in positions of leadership and authority and they haven't had the experience to actually uphold that position and it results in a lot of drama and a lot of strife and so it, it causes strife on the church as a whole and it causes strife on that individual to possibly turn away completely from God so we are instructed to teach others these disciples to obey everything that Christ has commanded us to do and in order for us to teach others the commandments that he's given us we have to know and obey them ourselves otherwise how can we teach them if we don't know them and we don't obey them ourselves so you know that's where a lot of christians fail and a lot of a lot of the church fails is they don't go they don't specifically teach the commandments that christ gave and they don't follow or obey those commandments themselves Uh, like i said uh, american church modern day american church these days you go into any church and talk to any number of people and you're going to find that those Christians are struggling. They are struggling in their Christianity. They're struggling with their belief. They're struggling with temptation. They're struggling with their basic life. So <clears throat> that is evidence that, it, that, that you, you know, we have a church on every corner, basically, of every street on in this country it's this country is so full of churches and it is so sick this and the the fact that we have so many churches in this in this country and we have so many people sick and we have so many people suffering from mental disorders is just complete evidence that the church is not obeying what Christ told us to do and also not teaching those same commandments that we are ourselves not obeying so this part this very first part of the great commission is is heavy and it is one part of where the church of where the church fails and it goes deeper when we reach mark mark really breaks down and gets it really clarifies and, and breaks it down to specifics. <clears throat> so, Mark chapter 16, if you want to turn with me there. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 18. I'm going to start with verse 15. We're going to break this down. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all of creation. Now, you see... There's, there's a slight difference there because in Matthew it says go and make disciples of all nations and, the, and here in Mark it says go into all the world preaching and preach the good news to all of creation so the difference there is the world and creation the world and creation 
God is making sure he's including everything, not just us as people on earth, his, his entire creation is included in this. The In Matthew, it just speaks of nations, make disciples of all nations. The nations, it, the definition there is specifying races of people, different cultures. So, the Holy Spirit is, is including and making sure that everything is covered with these two verses. So moving on, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, when I was a new Christian, I read that verse and I did like every other new Christian did. I believed mentally. Like, yeah, sure, I believe I believe Christ died for me and he rose again in three days and he uh, will return one day. Yep, I believe that. That's that's easy. That's like a, mentally that was like the easiest step I could have done. And I was like, oh well, just just believing that, just acknowledging that thought and accepting that to be true. I was like, wow, that's really easy. That's really um, something. Like now. I can live my life and I basically treated that as more or less and treated Christ as like a genie in a bottle. Um, When I first accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was 12 years old and in my arrogance, like I said, I treated Christ as like a genie in in a bottle. I, I accepted him and I believed and who he was, and I believed what I was being taught with the scriptures. But my expectation was that because I believed that, that my life was going to be poof, magically new. Like, I, I had no expectation that I would go through any kind of trial or tribulation or have any kind of test or anything. <laughs> I ha- I put these religious blinders on. Let's just call it that. It's religious blinders that um, Christ was... Because I accepted Christ mentally, that my entire world now was made new. Like, And everything from that point on was God's doing, wasn't mine. So everything that happened to me was because God did it. And he was like my everyday genie. So it, um, I'm trying to really explain this properly. <laughs> it's been so long since I've told this. But, it, you know, I just expected after accepting him that day in church and receiving the gift of tongues that when I woke up the next morning, like, I was going to be living in paradise. And I was highly disappointed that instead of living in paradise, I actually went through my own version of hell. And I experienced 
a lot of, um, I guess, uh, reproofing, I guess is the best word to say. I, I was aware, I was acutely aware of the actions of everyone and not necessarily myself. I was acutely aware of of mo- of the obvious sins in my own life, of course. Um, but I I'd never really examined myself fully, and but I was I was acutely aware of everyone else's actions, and I spent a good part of my early Christianity examining other people and judging them in in their walk in their their belief based off their action and this this is my arrogance my pride and, and my ignorance basically but that was my perception of this very verse and that was my perception that's like if you speak to a lot of believers, they also have the same perception that whoever believes, whoever just, if you just believe mentally and you just accept it and you say, yeah, sure, I believe that, then, and, and then you get baptized and wow, you're saved and your, your life is completely better. And that's, that's not the case. Because... And if you, when you dig deeper, let's dig deeper. This this verse specifically it clarifies exactly what it's talking about. When you dig deeper, see that that milk understanding causes confusion. It, it doesn't really it gets you by for a while, but after a while, that that milk you become malnutrition. <laughs> malnourished goodness you become malnourished because that that make that milk is not satisfying you you need you've got to get down to the meat so let's break that down whoever believes believes here the english word for believes is basically talking about an opinion <sighs> is the the first uh, definition of this reads accept something as true feel sure of the truth of the second definition it says hold something as an opinion think or suppose so our english compre- excuse me our english comprehension of the word believes is just a basic mental a, a basic mental function we we just mentally accept um that Christ is real and we mentally accept it and that and that's the extent of it and it's not because the real word the greek word for believes is pistuo and that is the verb form of pistis and pistis is the gift of faith it's not something that we can do on our own. It is something that God gives us as a gift. It is the one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So in order to obtain this gift of faith 
this pistis, you have to have the Holy Spirit. And in order to act out, transfer that noun pistis to a verb through action, in order to do that, you have to have the gift to begin with, and then you have to act that out for it to become a verb and for it to become the word believes. So we translate pistuo as believes, but it's not in English. The English is is conflicting because it's it's not it's not just accepting something as true. It's not accepting opinion. It's it's the acting out. It's the acting out of your faith. And it's not a faith that you can do on your own. It's a faith that is given to you as a gift. And it's the acting out of that. So if you believe, you will be saved. So if you are acting out your faith... I'm going I'm to give you an example. One of the um, one of well-known stories in, in the Bible is the woman with the issue of blood. And she, in the story, she pushes her way through this crowd. And she's determined to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And she believes that if she just touches his hem, that her issue her cancer or whatever that she has this this blood issue that she has in her um in her reproduction area is going to go away and she believes that she'll be completely healed of it if she just touches jesus's garment and she acts that out by pushing her way through this crowd and finally reaching after pushing and fighting through and and making her way to be able to just barely touch his hem of his of his garments as he's walking by that action of what she did of acting out and seeking Christ and reaching out to touch his garment that action Christ said is her faith that healed her she was healed because of her action her action of her pushing through to actually touch his garment she believed it so much that she acted it out so that is the faith and that is the example of pestuo the act the acting out of the faith that is given to you through the holy spirit and saved here is in the greek is sozo so saved it means to save of course um but the extension of that definition says Rescue from penalty and power of sin. So, it's not speaking of eternal salvation. And a lot of, you know, this is where, this is where the, the text becomes a little, a little confusing. Because if we read that initially, our, our milk comprehension of that is, is, our complete salvation 
you know, that we are completely saved, that, you know, our lives, like, like I explained before, my, my comprehension of that was that I was like, poof the magic dragon, I was going to wake up the next morning, and this magic Jesus was going to transform my life completely, and, um, I would never have to suffer or feel pain or sadness or anything ever again. Like, that was my comprehension. It was very construed. It was very ignorant and arrogant. And I just was very disappointed when I instead had a very acute and keen sense of people's actions afterwards. But... Like I said, it's saved is not speaking of your eternal salvation. Your eternal salvation comes when you endure to the end. And a part of enduring is going through this process of the Great Commission. And you are, you believe every day you are walking out your faith and you are acting out your faith and you, every day that you are acting out your faith, it rescues you from the power and the penalty of the sin that has hold of you. It severs that sin. It severs that power that sin has over you so that you can turn and you can renew your mind and you can become a new creature in Christ it severs that power and it severs the penalty that you would receive for that sin so that you no longer receive that penalty and that you no longer are controlled by the power of that sin and are able to turn from it and able to repent so it's it's not your eternal salvation. It's your it's your current condition, your current sin, your lifestyle of sin that you're living in. It allows you it severs that power and it severs the penalty that you would receive, which is eternal death. It it removes that penalty for you. But it is an everyday action. It's an ongoing action. It's a it's an action that doesn't end. You have to do it daily. Every day you have to you have to live in faith. You have to walk out your faith. You have to act out in faith. Every day you have to choose faith. And you have to act that out. In order, in that acting it out will save you from the temptation and the power of sin. So, let's move on. So here's here's the the opposite of that. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And my friends, do not believe now. It's the same comprehension there. On a milk, a milk-based comprehension would be the same as the milk-based 
comprehension for believes. But if you don't believe, if you don't mentally accept, if if you have a different opinion than that of what the gospel says, if your opinion is different and you don't accept this opinion of Christ died for you and he rose again after three days and he's going to return soon. If you do not accept that, then you will be condemned. And the word condemned in the in the English is to express complete disapproval publicly or to receive a particular punishment. So, you know, it, the milk understanding is very basic. It's, it, it is linked to a mental state. It's linked to what, what, you know, what you do mentally. But again, it's not what we do mentally. It's our actions. Those that word, the original text is speaking of pistis and pistuo. So it's the action it's the verb form of the gift of pisces. It's the acting out of faith. So we look at, um, excuse me, hold on a second. We look at, um, oh, I lost my verse. Let me go back. Okay, maybe this one. Yeah, okay. So, when we look at the Greek verse of this, and we look at the Greek um, definition, do not believe. It doesn't, it doesn't mean a mental opinion not talking about accepting an opinion it's talking about a pisteo and a pisteo is where we get our english word apostasy a pisteo means without faith without that gift of faith and it goes even deeper it's not just being without the faith it's also refusing to be persuaded by god so it's a person who refuses, completely refuses to even hear the word of God. Refuses to to hear, to understand, to seek. It is just complete refusal to be persuaded by God at all. So, not only are you without the faith, the gift of faith... You refuse to be persuaded. <clears throat> that's what a person that don't believe means. That's the that's the deeper understanding of don't believe. It's not just denying an opinion. It's the complete refusal to be persuaded at all. It's the complete refusal of of listening to a pastor or listening to the word of God, reading the word of God for yourself. 
it's the complete refusal. So, and then condemn is katakarino. It's one of the, I think there's three different, ver, three different words for judgment. So, in the text in our in our Bible, the text translates as judgment. But in the Greek, there's three different words. It has three different meanings. And each one of those three different words and three different meanings translate to the English as judgment. And we have to break down the text to really examine which judgment it is referring to. Because there are several different types of judgment according to the original text. The English comprehension of judgment is something that we do on a whim. It's our you know it's like a a quick a quick um formed opinion about someone or something without any kind of evidence or any kind of um you know it, it's just one of those quick quick judgments it, it's quick it's um you don't have any evidence or or knowledge of anything that's going on with that person you know, it's basically like looking at them and judging them based on their skin color, what they dress. You know, it's those and those quick initial judgments that we make. And that is not what is applied to every word that we see in the text where we see judgment. That word, is, there's three different words. You have to figure out which, which one it is talking about. And this one specifically is talking about the verb katakarino meaning to give judgment against, to judge worthy of punishment. It's an issue a penalty to judge someone decisively as guilty, meaning you've, you've seen all the facts, you've seen in the both sides of the situation, and you've made the decision to find them guilty it's not that quick it's not the quick you know opinion that you form it's not that it's not that stereotype that you lean on that you're judging people from it's these this katakarino is a judgment that's given it's worthy of punishment from a standpoint of deciding decisively you've you've examined the facts and now a decision is being made that you are found guilty so <clears throat> excuse me just a, a short little recap recap the english believes is basically like accepting an opinion the original text of the of the scripture means to act out act out your faith condemn in the same scripture in the same verse the english is basically saying an expression of disapproval and to sentence someone with particular judgment which is very close to the original text and the original definition of the greek which is to properly judge and to judge someone decisively as guilty. So, 
you have to you you gotta examine a little further to get the full understanding of exactly what is being what is being explained and what's being what you're being instructed to do so let's move on a little bit i'm i know i'm getting close to an hour here but it says and these signs shall accompany those who believe so if you are a believer you will have signs from from christ that accompany you the holy spirit will work through you with signs that will basically um it it will basically let's see yeah it will basically emphasize your purpose your end purpose it it will accompany who would accompany you and and give evidence to what they what you are doing is from God, and this is the list of things that you will do as a believer in this great commission. In Jesus's name, you will drive out demons. You will speak new tongues. You will pick up snakes with your hands. And when you drink deadly poison, it will not hurt you. And you will place your hands on sick people and they will get well. So you're healing, you're casting out demons, picking up snakes, and speaking in new tongues. These are the signs that will accompany you to validate that you are a believer while you administer this great commission that Christ told us to do. So our instruction as a believer is to go into all the world, preach the good news. And like like we established, good news is um, the euanglion. Euanglion. I can't, I probably butchered that, but it's euanglion. It's it's not limited to a person be- becoming a Christian. It's not limited to that scripture that we read as an as a baby Christian. That it's not that it's not that new convert verse that we read. It's in t- the entire Bible. The good news is it includes the entire Bible. So, we are to preach the entire Bible to all creation. Not only are we to preach that, we, if we believe, if we're acting out our faith, we're baptized, our power from sin is cut off, is severed. Like, sin has no power over us. So we have all the authority to control ourselves and deny sin. That as a believer, we have that authority as because we believe and we act out our faith, we are baptized, then that we're saved from that penalty of sin, we're saved from that power that sin has over us and we're able to turn and be new creations in Christ. So, these signs shall follow us. We'll cast out demons. And that, that it says we'll drive out, but that's 
Let, let's look at the Greek of drive out because that's important. <clears throat> let's look at drive out. Drive out. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, it's talking about to it's a bio it's it's not just it's not just tossing it's not just tossing or anything it's it's forcefully throwing that's uh, that's the depiction of this definition is to basically forcefully throw and banish you are casting out these demons you're forcefully removing them that is that is the depiction of this ekbayo I probably butchered that y'all excuse me with trying to pronounce these Greek words but the definition of that is to cast out and not to just cast out you know like hey get out of here you demon no, you are casting him at. You're forcefully removing him, like a like a bouncer at a club. When you know when you're in your sin and before you came to Christ, you those days when you were clubbing, you get in trouble at the club, and that bouncer comes and throws you out. That is the same thing you should be doing with these demons. You're not you're not standing there and saying, "Hey, little sir, will you please leave?" No. You are instructed to be the bouncer of your body and cast that demon out. That is that is the instruction here. You, in Jesus' name, you will cast, you will throw him. You will, you will physically and forcefully throw out demons from yourself and people. You will speak new tongues. In new tongues there, it... They, the tongues is always amongst the church. It divides the church. It is a <clears throat> it is a teaching that Christians refuse to get understanding on, and it is not speaking. It's not the ability to never, never have a Spanish lesson, and suddenly be able to speak Spanish. It is not an, a, a Spanish-speaking person suddenly being able to speak English. It, it's not that type of language. It is a heavenly language. It's completely different from what we have here on earth. It is our weapon in prayer. It is our way of praying so that demons are do not hear and understand our request to God. When we pray in our natural tongue, demons understand. They can they pick that up, they write it down, and they interfere with our prayers. When you speak in, in glosso, when you speak in tongues, demons cannot interfere with that prayer because they don't understand your glosso. They don't understand your tongue. It is it is a weapon. It is a weapon in prayer. It is a weapon for the believer. 
because he is able to speak to God with the Holy Spirit, with the gift of tongues, speaking in his glossa to God and not have the interference of demons. So then this speaking of tongues is a gift that you receive. And not everyone receives this gift, of course. We learn that in Second Corinthians. But or First Corinthians. Anyways, it's in Corinthians. They we not everyone gets the gift of tongues, but you can have the gift of tongues. It is something that you ask for. The Holy Spirit will give it to you. It just The scripture says you, you have not because you have asked not. Ask and you shall receive. You can receive the gift of tongues. It's there. It's a gift for you. It's, it's for you. And ask and you shall receive. The... They will pick up snakes with their hands. Okay, this one, this is, I know several several churches have been formed over this. And it's a, it, it comes from a misunderstanding of the scripture. It, I've tried to find any kind of figurative speech around this. And the closest I can get to where you could possibly get a figurative speech out of this is when we look at the definition of pick up. And see, in the, in the English understanding of this, we just visualize someone just picking something up. Like, I just pick up a rock. I, I just pick it up. And that's it. I just pick it up. And it... That's the extent of our, our understanding of pick up. We just pick it up. So, um, but that's, that's that's not the the original text. The original text is is talking about picking up and getting rid of. Um, it doesn't just stop with picking up. the The definition for pick up in the original text includes. To remove. You are. You're picking up. It's a snake. But it clarifies. And it it adds to the definition. Not just a snake. But. One used. Of the devil. Or Satan. So. It's not talking about just any snake. So it's not the scripture is not saying that you can just walk around and just pick up any snake that you see and just pick it up and play with it. And I know there's several several ministries and several churches that's been formed around this whole scripture right here. Talk and you know, we have several snake handler type um, churches and. This does misunderstanding of what it's talking about. It, you don't pick up and play with the snake. You don't. It's not granting you permission to just go and run about picking up snakes that you see anywhere. It's specifically talking about the snakes that the devil gives 
and the snakes. And you're to pick it up and get rid of it. So I'm going to quickly finish up. My friends, we'll, come, we'll finish this uh, next week. So if you have any questions or concerns, drop me a message. Find me on, on Insta or Facebook and let's talk. And we'll talk about it in the next, next podcast. But that's it for today. We'll go further, continue this and go further next week. So if you have anything, just drop me a message and we'll go from there. Otherwise, good night and good morning and God bless you.